Today we are beginning a new sermon series entitled Perspectives. During this series, we will be looking at different characters in one Bible story. For every character, each character has something unique to contribute to the story, a five-week series where we will be plumbing the depths, mining the depths of Scripture as we look at one story from several different points of view. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines perspective as a way of looking at or thinking about something. A way of looking at or thinking about something. We have the same story or experience, but different perspectives, different points of view. We experience this all the time in our day-to-day living. For example, a good friend and I were both traveling this last weekend. She went in the car, drove with her family to visit other family in Northwest Texas, I flew to Charlotte to spend time with my nephew. A few days ago, we were spending time together, catching one another up about our time away with our family. I heard from my friend that she had a really great visit with her family, a really wonderful time away, except for the moment when on their drive back home, her husband got a speeding ticket. It was one of those maddening moments when you get stuck behind a wide load and you are behind them for forever until the glorious moment when you can finally break free and you break free free flying on by, enjoying your newfound freedom and blowing off some frustration only to be greeted by a police officer. It was an incredibly frustrating experience for my friend's husband. Meanwhile, in the back seat, their four-year-old son is thinking this is the best thing ever. (laughs) It was one of the best moments of the trip. It was an amazing moment. He was actually kind of curious and somewhat excited about the idea that his dad might be going to jail. (laughs) The minute the window went down in their car. He was chatting it up with the police officer, excited about the possibility to go and sit in the car. Later, as the slow, slowly moving wide load went by them, <laughs> he exclaimed, there it is, and he waved to them. The only one in the car to do that. Same scene but different characters holding very different points of view, together filling out the story more completely. We're going to bring this idea of perspectives to how we read Scripture. We are trying to get away from the idea that a particular story in the Bible only has one thing to say to us. But instead, each story has layers, and how we learn to read the layers is so very important. It's important to understanding what God might be saying to us and what we have to learn. It can be quite transformative. The story that we are going to spend time in together these five weeks is a story from Luke chapter 5 where we get a glimpse of the healing ministry of Jesus, this fascinating story of a paralytic man being lowered down to Jesus is found in all three synoptic gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each week, we will try to put ourselves in the shoes of a different character to see how the story might unfold from their perspective. We're excited about the journey ahead. 
which we, be, we, we begin now together as we turn our attention to God's Word. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. God's Word for us. One day while he was teaching... Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them took what he had been lying on and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen strange things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. I'll speak, Lord, for... We are listening. Remind us of our identity and purpose for the sake of one another and for the world. God, may the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth, may it all be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. Lectio Divina. Divine, uh, Latin for divine reading, is a way of reading the scriptures by inserting, <clears throat> inserting yourself into the story. This is an ancient monastic practice intended to promote communion with God, reminding us of the important truth, which is this, that a text is not just a text to be studied, but rather it is a living word, a word that continues to speak today. Inserting yourself into a particular story, what does it feel like to be there? Imagine what, what it feels like. What do you smell? What do you see? Notice where you are. Today, I invite you to place yourself in the position of the paralytic to see how this story might unfold from his perspective. We don't know much about him except that he had four friends who were desperate to get him in front of Jesus. What is the one thing in your life, if it were fixed, would transform everything else? 
In this passage, we find Jesus in a house. With his popularity growing, it's now standing room only. Jesus is now a rock star, and many people are trying to hear him. A crowd of people gather in front of the house, blocking the door as four men arrive, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat with no obvious way to get him to Jesus. Now, we are not talking about a sturdy, safe, modern gurney like those now used to transport people. He would have been carried on a makeshift pallet or mat, and likely the lowering was not a graceful lowering. Put yourself in the place of the paralytic. Consider his feelings. He is now the center of attention in the middle of a crowd. Do you suppose that he is embarrassed and feels exposed? I wonder if it was his idea or that of his friends to go to Jesus. Likely, he was able to speak and was a willing accomplice. My mom used to remind me of a time when I was a little girl. Saying those words kids love to say to their parents and teachers, I can do it myself. I was trying to learn how to tie my shoelaces. My parents were trying to teach me and to help me to learn how to do those little rabbit ears. When finally, frustrated and tired of all the help and the people looking over my shoulders, I got up and went up into my bedroom and closed the door. I then turned on the light and went into the closet and closed that door to make sure that I was finally by myself. And I did not come out of the closet in my bedroom until I could tie my shoelaces, until I could do it myself. We like to be able to do things as much as we can for ourselves, don't we? Before this man, life was all about depending on others. It's hard to feel like a burden. We know this feeling, don't we? It's amazing how much we worry about this. Not wanting to be a burden to our family or to our friends. The man on the mat is known by his limitations. He's in a position of incredible vulnerability, living a story he likely would not have chosen for himself. He suffers a debilitating physical disease that has left him dependent on the generosity and goodwill of others. In the end, he encounters the Lord, which changes everything. This place of vulnerability, it's uncomfortable for us. Because we live with fear of being seen as weak. So we armor up and we try to appear strong for the people around us, which ends up being a barrier for intimate relationship. Brene Brown, a research professor at the University of Houston, she has spent decades studying courage, empathy, shame, and vulnerability. In her book, Daring Greatly, Brene Brown sheds light on our struggle with vulnerability, believing that at the heart of 
daring greatly is the courage to be honest and therefore vulnerable. Here's what she has to say. Here's the crux of the struggle. I want to experience your vulnerability, but I don't want to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is courage in you and inadequacy in me. I'm drawn to your vulnerability, but repelled by mine. Research shows that vulnerability is the path back to each other, but we are so afraid to get on it. We want to be armored and stay protected, which is just keeping up appearances. And for those of us who follow Jesus, plastic, Christiani. We all have problems and limitations. Some of us are just better at hiding them. Because we have all been living with the instinct to hide ever since Genesis 3. In the tragic avalanche of sin that began with the eating of the fruit, in our shame we hide ourselves. We are prone to say, I'm fine when nothing could be further from the truth. It becomes easy to forget our belovedness. We are tempted to believe that I can do it myself when we are absolutely created and wired for intimate, dependent relationship upon God and interdependent relationship with one another. It is hard to move toward community and to share your naked, vulnerable self, but God calls us out of hiding. Friends, how often do you think of yourself as the friend holding the stretcher rather than the one who is lying on the mat in desperate need of healing? I know for me, I often picture myself as one of the friends carrying someone else to Jesus. But are we also able to see that we are the one lying on the mat in need of healing ourselves? Marlena Graves explores how to get through the difficulties of life, the, the desert wilderness experiences of life in her wonderful book, A Beautiful Disaster, Finding Hope in the Midst of Brokenness. After sharing that one of her favorite stories in the Bible is this particular story, Graves goes on to say, there are times in our lives when we are exhausted, lonely, and weary. Life afflicts us. Our faith falters. We are overwhelmed, paralyzed by discouragement, and left alone in our own wilderness. We don't have the physical or emotional wherewithal to go to Jesus. During this times, these times, we are the paralytic. We can do little, if anything, for ourselves. What are we to do then? We call on trusted friends in Christ's community. We humble ourselves and confide in them. And we learn to let God care for us by allowing others to care for us. This is the Jesus way. Earlier this year, I officiated a memorial service for a, a woman I'll call Karen. 
who died suddenly and very unexpectedly from complications from surgery. It was a, a devastating loss for all who knew her. Karen had impacted the lives of many as a highly regarded educator, but nowhere was her love and investment felt so acutely as it was with her family. Karen's two grandchildren participated in the service that day, the oldest being a 14-year-old boy I'll refer to as Tommy. I noticed Tommy right away as he came in because he came in not only by himself, but he had a whole posse of friends with him. And as he sat here pretty near to where I am, immediately behind him, they filled up much of a row, a hedge of protection and a visible sign of support from beginning to the end of the service. Following the service, we went out and we spent time in the narthex together to share stories, to express condolences, and to be together, which is when something across the way in the narthex caught my eye. Because all of a sudden, these 13 and 14-year-old boys, they began to gather together. The adults beside me started talking about this, noticing the friends commenting about what a wonderful and loyal group of friends Tommy has. But the longer I watched, my eye was drawn most especially to the one who was in the middle, which was Tommy, who was now feeling quite a bit of emotion, feeling the pain of the loss of his grandmother, whom he loved sharing life with who I learned from his dad that lived in most recent years in a back house on their property. Sometimes they would find Tommy out watching Avengers with Grandma instead of doing his homework. Tommy had lost his other grandmother the year prior, and the pain of his collective loss was all of a sudden too much to bear. However, instead of pulling away, instead of pulling himself together in order to hide his emotion from his 13 and 14-year-old friends, there he was authentically, courageously being who he was at that moment, broken, allowing his friends to care for him, which they did so beautifully as they now drew near encouraging him, whispering to him, periodically patting him on the back. Tommy let himself be loved and experienced some healing that day. Those who learn to receive compassion, they then give it away to others. Friends, are you too proud to say I need help. Can you put your pride on the mat and let yourself be loved and not deny your friends the ability to love you well? Some of you are suffering and you need to be put on a mat and be carried to Jesus, yet the people closest to you don't even know what is going on in your life. 
Can we dare to trust others with the parts of our lives that are not tidy and put together? Can we be that kind of community? A good place to start, a really good place to start, is not only to see ourselves as the ones who do the caring, but also as one who is on the mat, broken and in desperate need of healing. Let yourself be loved in order to encounter Jesus and to be forever changed. Praise be to God. Pray with me. Oh, living God, how we pray for ourselves and for those near to us that you would help us, enable us to live more honestly before you and others in the belief that you, O oh God, can make all things new. We pray to encounter you and to be healed. We thank you for all that the paralytic teaches us about our need for Christ and others. We praise you that a new way of living in the world is here because of Jesus Christ. To you be all glory and praise now and forevermore, we pray, as we continue to offer our worship. Amen.